It's not just morning, it's a JR morning with Guy Gordon, Lloyd Jackson, and Jamie Edmonds on 760 WJR, where Michigan comes to talk. <laughs> okay, I'll have mine over easy. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you girls want. Oh. But thanks for giving us breakfast. We appreciate that. Uh, it is Tuesday. That means it's time for Mobility Makers, brought to you by Bridgestone. Getting people down the road matters, but getting generations down them, that's what really matters. Bridgestone. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. One of the biggest obstacles to people accepting and adopting EVs is the affordability or lack thereof. And now an in, really interesting uh, affordability study coming from J.D. Power in its most recent eVision intelligence report. And to share more about it is Elizabeth Creer, Vice President of Electric Vehicle Practice for J.D. Power. Elizabeth, good morning. Good morning. So you you compare not just stickers. I mean, anybody can do that. But you really compare the cost or the price between premium EVs and mass market EVs on a relative basis. What did you find? Yeah, what we found is that when we look at the premium EV market, that total cost of ownership is approaching parity with ICE or gasoline-powered vehicles. But when we look at total cost of ownership in the mass market segments, there's still a, a relatively large gap. So how large is the gap? Let's say between the the, the Mustang Mach-E versus the Mercedes-Benz EQ. Yeah, that's a really interesting. That's a really interesting one. Um, there we've got a premium uh, EV, and it's being compared to a mass market. That one is an anomaly um, in the sense that on the purchase side, they're both uh, more expensive than the gas counterparts. But on the lease side of the equation, where Mercedes-Benz can pass through the $7,500 tax credit, the Mercedes-Benz has an edge over that uh, Ford Mustang Mach-E on a a three-year lease cost of ownership. Wow, no wonder wonder customers are confused. Yes, absolutely. No, what exactly? Because customers really need to look at the EV purchase Uh, First of all, they need to determine whether they want to purchase or lease, because if a vehicle isn't manufactured in this country or if they don't um, qualify for income or or vehicle purchase thresholds, then that lease option is a good one for them. But then they got to check to see if the if the lessors are passing it through to them. Uh, uh, Elizabeth, does ambiguity on these incentives, you know, does that create a challenge, too? It really does. Customers are confused, and um, that that's where I think the OEMs can, you know, they're, they're trying to do a better job in, in communicating um, with some of their marketing and, and then uh, dealerships. It's, they're really at the front line, and, and being able to explain what those tax incentives are on the lease purchase as well as the, um, on a vehicle lease as well as the purchase is important. But there could be one vehicle that people can afford, and that might be the Equinox, the Chevrolet Equinox EV coming up. Yeah, that's, you know, I'm glad you, you brought that up because, you know, one of the largest segment, the largest segment in America today is that compact SUV segment. And um, I, on, the, on the purchase side of the equation, 
those EVs are running today ten to twenty thousand dollars higher than their comparable gasoline vehicles. But when Chevrolet announced their pricing there for that vehicle, they announced it right smack in the middle of the gasoline pricing. So if they stick to those trims that they announced, you know, the one LT and the two RS, um, the consumers will have a competitive option. Is, have you heard, I mean, there's so many cost price pressures now on the automotives, not the least of which is this ongoing UAW strike, which could change at least part of the cost equation. Is are, mm-hmm. is there any skepticism or is there growing concern that GM will be able to deliver that Equinox uh, at the 30000 or under 30000 price point that it ballyhooed when they rolled it out a, a, a year ago? Yeah, I think that the UAW pressures are going to hit all vehicles, you know, gasoline as well as EV. And and we look at everything on a comparative basis. So what is EV compared to ICE? So, you know, if car prices go up because of shortages during the during the strike, I, I think we'll see it on, on all, not just on EV. Uh, Elizabeth, besides the purchase price being a, a barrier, are people still looking at the charging infrastructure, too, as being one that uh, kind of gives them some hesitation? Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. It's the number one reason for uh, shoppers rejecting EVs, just lack of public charging, not enough public charging, not in the right places, not fast enough, and not reliable. One out of every charging attempt, on average, is a, is a failure. So a um, lot of work to do on infrastructure. We also see that, the, you know, EV retail shares is still growing. It's at about 8.4% now. And um, the, the infrastructure growth is not keeping up with that growth that we're seeing in EV sales. So a lot of work to do on the charging front. I, I, that was my question to you. 8.4% is not that much. I mean, we're talking about this a lot, but that's a small number when it, you talk about all the cars out there. That's correct. That would say that, you know, roughly eight people, nine people out of 100 will buy an EV and the rest will buy the gasoline. Now, we do forecast that by the end of the year, Uh, We see that retail share growing to about 9%. And then it it starts to, you know, take off next next year and in the coming years. It really starts to escalate. In the meantime... There needs to be more options for that mass market. More affordable ones. Mm -hmm. No no questions. Yeah, we we need more entries like the Equinox uh, for for the conversation to truly change. Um, but th- there's there's a story in the Detroit News and on, on Reuters today, and I realize it wasn't part of your study, but I wanted to get reaction to it, that the Detroit Three Automakers, because the Department of Energy is going to change the way it calculates fuel economy for EVs, in other words, the, the gasoline equivalent number that will go on these, that the Detroit Three Automakers could end up paying $10.5 billion in federal penalties over the next 10 years. <laughs> they it's it seems that you know every time they they kind of take a step forward the government makes them step back another two paces well that's something i'm going to have to study if that was just printed today i know we've yeah. got a big partnership with the doe and we're in contact with them so 
um, I will definitely discuss that with them. Yeah, this is the American Automotive Policy Council, which is kind of the trade group and the mouthpiece. You know, automakers don't want to look like that they're not on board with the EV transition publicly, so they're letting this group do the talking for them. It said, man, the way they're calculating the, the fuel economy penalties, uh, the way they're calculating it now, Ford... General Motors and Stellantis would face disproportionately higher compliance costs, and that could result in $10.5 billion. That's added on to the already huge cost of investing in these things, which is pretty prohibitive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just something to watch uh, going forward. Elizabeth, we thank you for this eye-opener in terms of the, you know, the, the relative cost of buying and also the total cost of ownership under a three-year lease. Um, which makes the premiums look almost like a good deal. Thanks so much for your time, and we always appreciate J.D. Power. You're quite welcome. All right, when we come back, the cost of the UAW strike, we've got an update from our good friend, economist Pat Anderson, as he factors in all of the costs, including the huge ripple effects among suppliers. That's next.